Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, in today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to somebody who's had a lot of insight and experience with actually finding more balance in her life. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. Okay, I had so much fun with today's guest because we know each other personally. We did our master coach training together and have shared and grown a lot over the years. I'm so happy to have her on the podcast so she can share her story and insights with you. But just quick before we dive into this episode and you meet my amazing guest, I want to share a few things with you myself. First, I just returned from an unbelievably awesome whale watching trip in Baja, California, which is actually in Mexico. I'm going to be recording an entire episode about it with the amazing women who came with me, and it's going to be so much fun. So hang tight. The experience was off the charts. And I can't wait to share what happened personally and also with the whales. Ah, So amazing. You're going to love it. And yes, if you're a regular listener, you may recall the backstory about how I hatched this little plan, which is part of my 6 in 60 plan for my upcoming 60th birthday. If you're curious about how you can create a super fun and meaningful plan for your milestone birthday, Check out the details of the 6 and 60 birthday blueprint in episode 276, and you won't be sorry. And second, I wanted to make sure you heard about the exciting new podcast that I'll be launching soon called Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs. So if you're a woman in the middle who's 50 plus and also an entrepreneur or business owner, this new podcast is especially for you. This show will be focused on what it's really like to run a business when you're over 50 and dealing with the classic midlife-related obstacles and challenges. Things like taking care of your aging parents, empty nest, menopause, lack of self-care, work-life balance, that sort of stuff. Oh, lots of good stuff, right? (laughs) When all of this stuff comes up, it can really be harder to focus on your priorities if you even know what they are anymore. So if this sounds good, if you're interested in learning more about how to be a guest on this new show, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. There's lots more information there too, so you can see if you're a good fit for this show. I would love to see your application. Okay, let me introduce you to my amazing guest today on the podcast. Let's start with this simple and popular midlife question. Are you wondering about how the heck to find more balance in your life? If so, you're not alone. And my guest today has some amazing insights on this topic. In today's episode, you'll meet my guest, Molly Claire. Molly is a seven-figure business builder with a blended family of 10 and the author of the best-selling book, The Happy Mom Mindset. She hosts the Masterful Coach podcast and has been featured on podcasts and stages across the U.S. for interviews and speaking engagements. She's best known for her personal engagement with audiences and her ability to empower each person in the entire room to feel seen, loved, and capable of achieving anything they want. She loves speaking to coaches, entrepreneurs, moms, and women united in making the world a better place. 
As a life and business coach for coaches and female entrepreneurs, Molly advocates for women everywhere, inspiring them to make more money and enjoy more personal and family time. Molly believes that each woman is unique and her values and desires are too. You will feel empowered and inspired with personal clarity and infused with the courage you need to make your dream life and business a reality. As I mentioned, Molly and I go way back in our entrepreneurial journey. I love her to bits and I know you will get so much from her story. So please enjoy this episode. Hi, Molly. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. This is so fun. I don't know why we did not do this sooner. You know, that's a very good question because we have known each other a long time and hilarity often is a part of our conversations and experience. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 2015 Master Coach Training is when we met. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was thinking, was it 2014? Was it 2015? I knew it was back a long time ago and it was Master Coach Training. Mm -hmm. Yep. We were young things, weren't we? (laughs) Oh, my. It's so fascinating to look back on who we were then, what we were like then, and just the change. Oh, my gosh. And that really is why I'm so excited to talk to you, because a lot of your huge changes took place, actually, like I've seen the whole thing. I knew you before (laughs) any of those changes. (laughs) And it's just been really awesome to watch. But you know, just to comment uh, briefly on 2015 and what was going on for us in Master Coach Training, I know if you're listening to the podcast, you know a little bit about technology. At least you know where your app is on your phone. And <laughs> <laughs> back then, podcasts weren't as big a deal. And I remember learning about Facebook ads for the first time mm-hmm. at that training. So mm-hmm. Brooke was teaching us about this new thing. And she had a flip chart and she was explaining Facebook ads and none of us knew anything about it. Facebook uh, is used so much for business now more than ever. And we just, so much has changed in online business, online, online learning, all of it. I know. Well, I don't know if you remember this, not to get too far off on a tangent, but it is pretty funny to think about when we were in master coach training in 2015, which doesn't seem that long ago. One week, Brooke wanted us to try this new thing called Google Hangouts, and we spent about an hour trying to get everyone on and connected, and we ended up not having a session at all. Oh, my God. I don't remember that. (laughs) It's crazy, crazy to think about that, right? And now here we are. We're always on different video chat forums, of course, Zoom, and um, yeah, it is absolutely crazy to think about how much has changed in the world around us and even more fun to see the ways that we've changed and evolved as people. Well, and not to date ourselves, but I do like dating ourselves on this on this show because I like to point out time and age (laughs) and change. But when we both trained for coach training in 2014, it was teleseminar. It wasn't even Zoom. That's right. It was a conference line and we would dial into the conference line and it was it was a different world. It really was. We know we weren't watching anybody. And it was it was something. And, and being introduced to Zoom happened for us through the life coach school, through coach training. Right. And it seemed like we were on the like leading edge oh, of integrating technology, which is so funny because I have this thing and you witnessed it, actually, that I thought I sucked at technology. 
<laughs> you, I think we both witnessed each other's um, most vulnerable <clears throat> coaching moments over the years. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I know Zoom, it's so funny because when what's so interesting is when the pandemic hit and everyone was figuring out Zoom and everyone was figuring out how do I manage the chaos of my family at home while I'm working? It was this one moment in my life that I thought, hey, I've already figured these things out. Finally, for once, I'm on the cutting edge of what's happening here. You're so right. I, I remember getting on the phone with some of my friends and colleagues who needed some coaching through like Zoom and a microphone and lighting and and all those things. And I was so happy to help. But yeah, you're right. I never felt on the cutting edge of anything technology. <laughs> <laughs> Me of all people helping people and there you were having the same thought. That's so funny. Okay. So um, one of the ways I love to start these interviews is to go back a little bit and talk about what was going on just before things really needed to change, like your whole awareness of there being an actual problem and you knowing that there needed to be a change. Maybe you were stuck or you just weren't growing, whatever it was. So could you go back to that a little bit and talk about what led to some pretty massive life changes for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I things changed pretty drastically for me when I found coaching, but it was very much needed. Um, I had been married for about 15 years. We had struggled a lot in our marriage. I was, I was at the point in my life. And I, I believe some of this is, um, you know, our, our physical health is much more complicated than we think right? It's it's like there are physical things that happen to us. There are things that are genetic, things that are outside of our, our control. And there's also very much an emotional and cognitive component to the real physical challenges that we experience. And um, I actually had got really sick with chronic fatigue syndrome uh, almost overnight. And it was one thing that triggered it, but it was very much a physical problem that I had. And yet as I have, as I have healed it and gone through a lot of help to, to do that, I see that there were a lot of things happening in my life for a long time that really put me in a place of being vulnerable to getting sick. Things, uh. Right. Things like over-functioning in my relationship, in my family, doing too much, not really taking care of myself as a human being and an individual. And by the way, I thought that I was. I would get up, <laughs> I would exercise. I. It's not like I looked, you know, like this picture of this problematic life. By all measures on the outside, I was high achieving. I was doing all the things. But I don't believe that I was really taking care of myself personally and my marriage relationship and dynamic was was not healthy for me. And you had young kids at that point. Yes, yes. And I say all this not because my ex-husband is a terrible person. I want to clarify that. I think every relationship has different dynamics 
that are in some ways healthy and unhealthy and everyone contributes to it, right? I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Totally. And <laughs> you and are we, right. We each bring our baggage and we each bring our trauma and we each bring our problems. And then there's a way we engage and there's a dance that we do in marriage. And so I just, I want to say that because... I actually really love and care about and respect my ex-husband very much. And our relationship was, it wasn't healthy the way we were engaging in our relationship, you know? Yeah. And Um, this was going on for you in your 30s primarily. Yes. Yes, that's right. And um, so, yeah, I was kind of struggling with chronic fatigue and um, my ex-husband was dealing with a lot of extreme anxiety and Um, for me personally, it was really hard for me to deal with this fatigue that I felt because I was high achieving. You know me, Susie, I'm a high energy person. That is true. It's very hard for me to sit still. And now my body wasn't working. Wow. And along with that came depression. I mean, how can I be me? How can I be proud of me and the life that I live? And how can I be the mom I want to be when it's hard for me to get out of bed? Wow, that must have been so frustrating and scary. It really was. I remember a time that I was scheduling an appointment because I was I was trying so many ways to get well and going to different doctors and trying to figure this out. And I remember that this doctor, the only opening they had was like a 930 appointment. <laughs> and keep in mind that before this, I, it was not uncommon for me to get up at 4 or 4.30 and go exercise. I didn't have a problem getting up in the morning, but I was worried that I wouldn't be able to make it to this 930 appointment because I didn't know if I would be able to physically get up and get showered and get out the door on time. Wow. It was was really hard to have that be my reality and to feel so powerless to my physical health. Well, you know, I'm having a, I hope you don't mind, but I'm having a humorous flashback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At this moment, and we'll get right. I am not minimizing what you're going through. No, not um, at all. (laughs) I do like to find these humorous moments when we're dealing with difficult stuff on this podcast. That's for sure. But I remember one time where I was so sick Mm -hmm. and and my uh, the extent of my tiredness was very surprising. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure yours was a million times worse because mine only lasted for a few weeks. It was mono. But Mm -hmm. I remember being 15, having mono being on the couch and being so tired that I couldn't get up to change the channel. (laughs) Right. That's a scary feeling. (laughs) I had to watch $10,000 Pyramid and The Price is Right forever. (laughs) I couldn't change the channel. But honestly, I remember looking at the TV. It seemed so far away, like six feet. And I I could not do it. I could not get off the couch. So I I really cannot imagine what you were going through, but I do imagine what that morning was like. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you bringing that up, I think it's so relevant because how many of us in our life have to get to that point where something seems impossible or unbearable before we do something about it, right? But we do. So true. It is so true. (laughs) Women push the limits all the time. Yes. And a lot of times, just like you, completely unaware of the actual cost because we're so focused on productivity and it just seems like the cost is only being less productive, but we really don't appreciate all of the cost 
to our family, to our health, to our emotions, and ultimately to productivity. Ultimately, something we hold so dear, it's it's not healthy behavior. That is for sure. So um, as a young mother, I'm sure noticing that this was affecting you was also affecting the kids. And that must have just... Uh, uh, that must have almost been unbearable to to be so scared and not have a clear path out. It was. It was really hard because, um, you know, I I love my business that I have now. And honestly, as I was growing up and thinking about what I really wanted in my life, I wanted to be home with my kids. That was a really strong desire that I had and that I have even now. And, um, and I felt like I was a pretty good mom, you know? I mean, I was I was doing all the things. I was trying to help with their cognitive development. You know, we do all these like crazy things to do a great job for our kids and to be there with them. And it was something I really, really valued and loved. And it was really hard for me to no longer be able to walk my kids to school three blocks away without having to take a nap on the couch. And so... It was really hard. It was for me, it was, it felt like a letting go of something that was my identity. Mm. It felt like I was not, you know, as, as moms, we want to do a good job as a mom, whatever that means, right? We have this like big picture of what it means to do a good job. And in my mind, how was I doing a good job? How were my kids going to be okay? This was unfair to my kids. And I hated that it was my reality. So this, I feel like this is sounding very grim, right? We got to, we got to move to the other part. Well, oh, we will for sure. But like, this is life. This is life. And for whatever reason, it often takes something pretty painful to get out of the stuckness, the mindset, the unhappiness. Most of us aren't unhappy for a week and then do something about it. And that would be crazy, (laughs) right? That would be crazy. Yes. So yeah, it did get pretty bad. So when yeah. did you start to think that you that it was possible for you to move forward and mm-hmm. you know and start to realize that that might be as a single woman? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version because a lot happened between then and and <laughs> where I am now. Um, but I did work to heal my chronic fatigue quite a bit. I was definitely more active. Um, and was on the the men, but I, I noticed as I was going through all this healing, all of this just internal stuff was coming up. Things from my past were coming up. I was having all these dreams about, you know, just it was kind of like, what's going on? My <laughs> my entire being was like, you know, telling me your life has to change. And um, so I remember actually doing a coaching call with my sister who was coach in coach training at the time. And she was doing this little practice session and she, you know, used the, the coaching process with me. And I still remember walking on my porch and having this moment in time where I realized that my entire world could be different than I ever thought it would be. And meaning that as she was talking to me about things that I had talked about from my past, they were feeling different to me. I was having a different experience of even my past right there in this 20-minute experience. And and what that did is it catapulted me to say, hey, there's really something to this. And I definitely 
want to do more coaching. I want to help other people with what I just experienced. And, um, you know, fast forward a little bit, I ended up signing up for coach training, even though it made no sense. And I still had some fatigue and I still had my kids and the timing was bad, but I did it anyway. Ended up going full force into my business. And as I did, as I learned coaching and as I did my own internal work, uh, it became clear that things needed to change in our relationship. And, you know, we we worked on that and we did the wrestle and and did the work and um, it became very clear to me that I needed to end my marriage. And all I can say is, thank goodness that I had found coaching and had the strength that I had that I had from it because I was terrified. Oh, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot to cope with. I remember having a conversation with you in a parking lot after one of these events we'd been to together mm-hmm. and we treated ourselves to massages Mm-hmm. You knew of this little place in Texas. Oh, remember. yes. I don't remember the details, but it was a funny little place. And it was like in a big room and we were all having some of this. The reflexology ba- massage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were all having some work done in this large space. There was no privacy. It was hilarious, but it was so helpful. And then I remember having a conversation with you in the parking lot when we finished that treatment and you were talking about some of this. Mm-hmm. Um I just remember it so clearly. You know, it's funny when you start to have new friendships later in life, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is something that comes up all the time in the podcast. And I definitely think of you as a very dear friend later in life because I didn't grow up with you. You're not, I didn't play jacks Mm -hmm. with you when I was eight. (laughs) Although I bet that would have been fun. (laughs) Oh my God. I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. jacks lately. Uh, I don't know why. I think because I want, I know why, because I have a retreat coming up and I, I'm going to be playing jacks on the retreat. Oh, fun. Isn't that fun? That Cause a fun. lot, I'm not the only person who loved jacks. So, um, anyway, but when you have, uh, friendships later in life, the memories are more fresh. Mm-hmm. And I have, as I was prepping for this interview, I was definitely thinking about our friendship and some of the things that popped up. And we definitely shared some very intimate, vulnerable moments over the years and a lot of hilarity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that one is just so interesting because it was such a funny situation having those massages in an open space. And then (laughs) we were fully dressed, by the way. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, we were absolutely fully dressed. It was reflexology, but it was still so funny because when you have more privacy, you might say you might ask more questions. You might say, oh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> From pain or pain release or something like that. I was so self-conscious. I wasn't going to make a peep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but right following that, we had a very um, intense and personal conversation. So I don't know, just reflecting on that. So yeah. uh, you had this awareness that you were going to have to get very brave and deal with some stuff. Yeah. And move uh-huh. forward. Yeah. And-, and coaching helped. Thank God. Oh, my gosh. I mean... I can't imagine, you know, before making the decision, before, you know, my ex-husband and I decided to part ways, we did a lot of good work, honestly. And I feel like um, the anger, resentment, all those bad feelings that I had, that we all have in relationships, right? Oh, yeah. I was really able to find peace. And, and that was such a gift and, and it still was the best decision for both of us, you know, to, to get divorced. But I, 
I see that not only would I, had I not found coaching and had I not been willing to open up and do all of that work through the process, my life would be totally different. I mean, I feel like here I am in my life. I feel completely capable of handling absolutely anything. I have confidence that I can figure anything out. I have confidence that I am strong and I have confidence that I don't have to be afraid of anything that happens in my life ever. I might be afraid about what it's going to be like, kind of like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. But do I think anything can take me down or swallow me up? Absolutely not. What a gift that you gave yourself, you know? Seriously. It's a serious gift. So really what you're talking about, and I'm going to laugh when I say this, even though it's not funny, but it can be funny as you're learning to understand it, is unconditional love. (laughs) Yes. An unconditional belief in yourself, too. Absolutely. This topic of unconditional love, though, um, Molly and I both taught um, coach training. And as an instructor (laughs) teaching some of these concepts, it challenges you. And this unconditional love topic is very misunderstood. And right away, when you think about it, you think, but I don't want to love somebody who has hurt me this way or has yeah. this weird quirk or or, or yeah. whatever. But unconditional love is a little bit more than that. So can you talk yeah. just, just a little bit about yeah. what that process was for you? Yeah, I know. And it is so funny because, you know, Susie, you and I both remember, you know, Brooke would want us to teach one of these concepts. And I always loved teaching unconditional love because of this experience. And everyone else was generally kind of like, oh. I do not want to talk about unconditional love. <laughs> so negative. I always like talking about the manual. I did not want to talk about unconditional love either. I'm so good. Oh, Molly raised her hand. Yay. Molly will do it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's a it's a topic that, you know, what's interesting is I feel like in many ways, I very fortunately had this instilled in me because I can say that I think my mom had unconditional love for me. A hundred percent. I, that's a gift that I am forever grateful for. Um, but it definitely didn't translate when I was, you know, really unhappy with my ex-husband and, you know, (laughs) thought he should be doing this and he shouldn't be doing that. And he's causing me all this pain and all of these things. And I absolutely was able to open up and feel so much love and compassion for him. And, um, I mean, it was such a gift. I think it's, my guess is it's pretty rare for anyone to get out of a marriage and end a marriage and genuinely say they have no resentment, they have no anger, they have no ill feelings. And I can say that, not because I'm amazing, but because this gift of being able to open up to this concept of unconditional love. And yeah, what it really means is that you can you can love someone regardless of what they do, what they don't do. You can see them for who they are and appreciate them as a human being. And that you get to decide where and how that person fits into your life. You get to decide how you're going to navigate the relationship dynamic but you don't have to hate them or feel angry in order to decide how you want to be in the relationship or what relationship you want. 
exactly. And you can have unconditional love and still uh, have a problem with some behavior. You can still love them. You can still not agree with certain things that happened or that are happening or whatever. And you you can still love them. What a relief that is because love is so great. It's such an, it's an amazing emotion to feel. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And I think that the reason usually that we withhold that or we don't feel that for someone is if we, we think, well, if I love this person, then I'm saying that I agree with their behavior. If I love this person, then I'm saying that I think it's okay that they did X, Y, or Z to Exactly. Me. Yeah. But that's not true at all, right? I can love someone and I can disagree with the way they think or the way they do things. And I can definitely not like the way they've engaged with me in a certain way. And I can set boundaries or choose what I'll do. But I don't have to hate that person. I can love them and I can know um, where I stand in in any given relationship. That's it. Okay, so so now I want to get into uh, this business building part because as an entrepreneur, it's not for the faint of heart, my friends. It's not for the faint of heart. Oh, (laughs) no. Yeah, being an entrepreneur, it's so interesting because when you learn a new skill, you know, some some listeners are going back to school and it, going into coach training was like going back to school. And sometimes you're just uh, taking a course or or doing whatever it is, but you think that that's going to be the thing. You need to perfect that skill and then everything's going to be hunky-dory. Being a great coach is only part of it. Learning anything new, going back to school, learning anything new is only part of it. But how you show up, how you earn a living, how you figure out how you want your experience to be and what your goals are. Like that's all another ball game Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes to being an entrepreneur. uh, That hill was steep. So when did you start to imagine what it was that you wanted? And I know, you know, this changed a bit for you over time too, but what was that like to really start to dream about you and -hmm. what you wanted? Mm -hmm. Um. Well, when I, I, so I found coaching, right? Fell in love with coaching, loved it. Thought I was pretty good at it. I'm like, hey, I think I was meant to do this. And then I realized to your point that there were dozens of skills that I did not know. I didn't understand, you know, running a business, marketing, sales, all the things. And, um, and it did feel like a lot to take on, but I'll, I'll tell you that I was uh, a big part of my determination, definitely, was that I did not ever want to be financially dependent on a man in my life ever again. I, or anyone, right? I wanted to be able to have plenty of time with my kids. I, as I went through my divorce, I didn't want to, you know, be working long hours, killing myself and not spending time with them. And so for me, it was like, I want time, freedom and flexibility to be with my kids. I want them to have a great quality of life and I want a great quality of life right along with them. And so part of that's me, part of that's right, what I was still wanting for them. But what that did, what that determination and that clarity of what I wanted did for me is it allowed me to say, I'm going to make this work no matter what. And I don't think had I not been 
in that space had I not wanted it so badly, I probably would have quit because building a business is. Oh, my gosh. Much more likely to quit. (laughs) It's it's very challenging. One of the things that uh, both of us did right at the beginning that was kind of like a sneak attack on something difficult for me anyway, was we both had to think about our business identity. Everybody has to do this, but some Mm -hmm. people struggle with it a bit more. And for me, it showed up with my domain name. And I didn't know if I wanted to use my name in my Mm -hmm. business domain. Uh, So, you know, my name is pretty Jewish sounding. Mm -hmm. And I had to get a lot of coaching on this. And I thought, oh, maybe it's dangerous or maybe it's just not a good idea to have such a obvious Jewish name as my business domain. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I really wrestled with that. And a lot of people use something other than their name as their domain. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I really looked into it and it seemed like a great idea to do. So I had to really think about that. And I don't think I made uh, the wrong decision. So I use it and I just coach myself around all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. that was that. And I know that you also had to think about what name you wanted to use in your business. So you want to talk about that a little bit? I did. Sure. Yeah. So as I was, it was kind of, it's crazy for me to think about that. I opened up this, you know, huge career at the same time that I was, you know, making this personal life change. Um, But as I was building my business, uh, I had coached for, yeah, this was a couple of years after master coach training, I guess. And, and I decided to write my book for my clients. So I'm writing this book and it's so funny, right? Susie, you'll relate to this. It is almost like when you start putting yourself out there, there's this part of your brain that thinks like, everyone's going to see me. Everyone's going (laughs) to, it seems like this big deal where every decision has to be perfectly right. Right. And like nobody sees you for the longest time. Nobody, right? (laughs) Nobody. And so anyway, I was, you know, I wrote my book and we were working on putting it out there and, you know, publicizing it and everything. And I was really stuck on my name situation because I, I still had my married name and I kind of wanted to keep it because I wanted to have the same name as my kids. My mom didn't have the same last name as me and I didn't like it. So I wanted to keep it, but I also knew I was moving forward in my life, right? I was claiming my own space and I didn't want to brand myself, you know, with my, my, you know, married last name. And I really wrestled with it, uh, because especially, you know, with business, I wanted a name that, that worked for my brand too, which is kind of a funny thing to think about, but I did. And I really, I didn't want to go back to my maiden name. And so I decided that I would give myself a name that I felt fit me and felt that it fit my mission as a coach for people. So like Madonna? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I should have. I should have taken that one. Um, but I looked at different names that I liked and different meanings and the, the name Claire really has that meaning of that, that clarity, that brilliance, that brightness. And that's what I want to offer my clients. I want to help them have that clarity in their life and to really feel their brightness and their shine inside of them. And so I chose to 
to run my business, do business as Molly Claire and brand that as my name. And over about, I don't know, a, a year or two after just using that name so much, it felt like it was me. It actually felt like I had a disconnect in my personal life that I still had my old last name. Um, so I made it official and I've claimed Molly Claire and that's who I am. And it feels like me and away we go. Oh, I remember when that was all happening. And, you know, I don't know that I understood the meaning of Claire, but I do remember you had a tagline that used the word sparkle. Mm -hmm. Get your sparkle back. Yeah. (laughs) So what was the name of your book? Uh, The Happy Mom Mindset. So back then, talk to me about how your business started, that that was the first book. And I know it's the only book at this point, but I have a feeling there'll be more books. (laughs) So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I was working with moms, overwhelmed, stressed out, moms worried about ruining their kids' lives, which seems kind of extreme, but we all kind of worry that we're ruining our kids' lives at some level. 100%. (laughs) Right? And um, yeah, so I, I did an online program and then I turned it into a book, really helping women to um, claim themselves and to be able to treat themselves well emotionally, to be able to help them navigate those very challenging experiences of unhappiness with our kids, our kids taking a path in life that we don't, you know, really like, and then we're panicked and worried, and then we want to control it, and really helping them to have a healthy relationship with themselves, with their family members, with their kids, and with their life. So it just talks about some of the mom traps or like seven mom traps that we get into and how to really get out of them so we can be alive and vibrant, the best version of us and therefore the best version for our kids. Amazing. I was so proud of you when you published that book. And I I just remember loving the artwork so much and thinking this is such a good fit with your brand. Like I really thought you nailed it with the book cover Mm -hmm. and the topic and all of it. You know, speaking of um, moments, important moments in the Mm -hmm. development of our life, our business life, um, our identity as we age and, uh, and our, you know, family life. Um, so thinking about important moments, uh, there is something that happened to me, uh, that I talk about a lot and it was having to do with being particularly busy. And I thought, oh, I want to talk to Molly about this because she's a busy mom. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I I know that you're going to have some great insight here, but something that comes up all the time on the podcast and in my community is um, helping women become aware of that thought, I'm too busy, and mm-hmm. how that thought shows up for them and how it impacts their life in ways that they know and that they don't know. So for me, I talked about it in episode 255. It was um, what I affectionately refer to as my mango moment. It was terrible. It was like the worst mommy moment ever, quite embarrassing. But I actually caught myself thinking that I was too busy to cut my kid a mango. Mm -hmm. He had been asking me. He was young. He couldn't handle a knife. Mangoes are complicated. There was a ripe mango on the counter. Mm -hmm. He asked me several times over a couple of days Mm -hmm. if he could have a mango. And I actually said no because I was too busy. Um, you know, it's mortifying, it's embarrassing, and it's such a great teachable moment. But I thought, who can I talk to about being busy? 
Molly Claire has eight kids in her family. (laughs) And I know that this busy topic comes up a lot. So could you just comment a little bit on busyness and how you manage to be happy and productive? Sure. So first of all, everyone has their own version of the mango moment, right? (laughs) And it's like, it's, it's so normal, right? We, I think we all struggle with this because busyness seems so positive. It seems so useful, so helpful. And I think most of the time we, we don't realize that it's actually within our hands how busy we are. Absolutely. Like we really don't realize it. Yeah. And the word productivity actually comes from widgets. Like it comes from manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, who can not think of the I Love Lucy chocolate conveyor belt oh, I know, um, right? episode when you think about productivity? Um, but yeah, that's what we're referring to. And it's really not even a great reality to no. think about think about that when it comes to your life. Like, do you want your be your life to be based on counting widgets for you to feel Mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I do feel in a sense that I am an authority on this and yet (laughs) I'm not exempt from the same things everyone does. Right. Um, And to be honest, kind of going back to what I was sharing about when I got chronic fatigue, that was a moment for me when I really had to ask myself, who am I if I can't do all these things? Right. Like, can I love myself when I'm laying here in bed? Or have I just decided that if I'm laying here, I'm now deemed a worthless human being? Right. Wow. That's and, so deep. I mean, it's really true because we put so much, um, we give so much credit to the things we do to prove that we're okay, to prove that we're doing a good job. And we do it oftentimes to settle our emotions, to settle our anxieties. And um, I think for me, it's been a process of learning again and again to reset and reevaluate and keep my priorities. And so one thing, and this is something that I do in my business, working with my clients, for sure, 100%, when I'm helping coaches build their business, the first thing we want to do is figure out what kind of life are you actually trying to create with this business? Yeah, with the business. So you want to yes. really imagine what is reality? You have a business, you want a business. So thinking about your life separate from your business and solving for that is not a useful thing to think about. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if it's really part of who you are and what you want and you've deemed it a priority, you have mm-hmm. to solve for your goals and priorities with the business. That makes yeah. so much sense. Because, well, in our business, especially for, you know, the type of clients that I'm working with where they're coaches, their business is meaningful to them because it's a way they're serving the world and making such an impact. And it's also there to serve a purpose because it is a business. It's not a charity. It's a business. So it should support your ideal life. Like that's the bottom line. If you're doing the work of creating a business, which is a lot of work, then it better be creating the life you want and not taking away from it. Boom. That is so important. Now, of course, there is a time at the beginning of businesses where there is uh, effort that isn't very intense. I mean, when you're learning all the stuff, it is, I found anyway, much harder to 
set boundaries because it did feel like a bit of a grind at the beginning. Um, And the beginning is, of course, subjective. It could be one year, it could be three years, you know, but you definitely don't want that to be the everyday experience for the next 20 years. (laughs) And I think I, I really think the only problem with the beginning being harder is because we just haven't learned to set the boundaries yet. Right. Because we think we just automatically, it's like we become very reactive. Oh, I have all these things to do and I have to do this. And we just haven't learned the skill of finding balance and setting boundaries. Well, and there's a lot of um, invitation to get involved in compare and despair. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Right. And we, mm. and we, we look for it because we're looking around. What do I do? How do I build this? And, um, you know, I've definitely had times where I've lost sight a little bit of, am I keeping my boundaries? Am I really present? And, but it's been something that I definitely have committed to revisiting time and again. And, you know, one thing that is, uh, just really a part of how I operate is I always want to be crystal clear on what are the priorities in my life that are an absolute I will be available for this. I will be there for this. And I am going to guard that with my life. And, um, and it makes it, it makes a big difference because when you do that, you make it happen rather than making excuses as to why you're too busy to do those things. Oh my gosh. That's so true. The example I always use might seem weird, but it's very clear to me. If my kid said, can you pick me up at the airport uh, Mm -hmm. at two o'clock, two and a half weeks from now? Mm-hmm. I would say yes. And there's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that I would be there. Mm-hmm. Like, period. My kid asked me to pick him up somewhere. I'm absolutely going to do that. Mm-hmm. Do I have that level of commitment to other things that are in my calendar? Mm-hmm. Not always. Mm-hmm. Not always. Mm-hmm. But right away, when you understand what that 100% commitment and priority setting looks like and feels like, mm-hmm. it's easier to see when other things aren't at that level. So I love this revisiting of the ultimate priorities in your life and just guarding it, period. Like there's no drama, no negotiation. These things are always going to be the most important. Yes. And just to reiterate too, because I think we can sometimes get this at some level, but we don't really get it. But it really is true. You are, I am, we are creating whatever level of busyness we are experiencing. And the reason it's hard to have less busyness is because of the emotions we will feel. Meaning sometimes it means saying no to a very good cause because we don't have the capacity if we want to live our best life. Or it means saying no to someone who's going to be disappointed or upset with you, or it it simply means opening up to, hey, can I be at peace with saying, what if I'm allowed to have some space in my life and enjoy some things? And so I think genuinely, I cannot emphasize this enough. We get to decide what our level of activity and busyness is. And it doesn't mean it's easy, but if we are determined to create a certain life that we want, 
keep revisiting it, keep figuring it out, keep reprioritizing and keep setting boundaries. Such good advice. That is so simple and so insightful and so important. (laughs) It should be on everybody's vision board. It should be on uh, everybody's um, calendar. However you want to revisit it, it's the type of thing that needs to be written down and you need to be reminded of. Yes. You know, we have to remind ourselves and reset all the time, all the time. And my guess is that anytime, most of the time, I think guilt can be useful, right? If I do something terrible to someone, I want to feel guilt so that it reminds me, hey, you need to, you know, apologize or whatever. But most of the time, like 99% of the time, we, the guilt we feel in our life is just useless guilt. It's just guilt telling us we should do this and I should make everyone happy and I should be able to do it all and I, you know, shouldn't need downtime. It's all just garbage and lies. It's not true. That is true. And there's your pass. (laughs) (laughs) So what advice would you give other women in the middle out there who are stuck and, and realizing they're on the brink of some kind of an important change that has to happen? But of course, they're a bit fearful. Yeah. So I would say the fear that you're experiencing is totally normal. And you will feel a lot of things that you probably would rather not feel when we make changes. It's scary to let go. It's scary to do something new. Our brain tells us this is uncertain and I want to go back to how it's been. I want to stay where I am. But if you're listening and you know that you want a change, that you need a change, be willing to commit to making that change and staying the course. Even when it seems scary, even when it's hard to let go, even when you cry and grieve and panic and freak out, stay the course and get through it because it will be worth it. You are so much more capable than you realize, and you'll discover that as you move toward what you want. Oh, that is so true. And it certainly has been true for me, and I know it's been true for you. And just this idea that you don't have to believe your old stories and you don't have to believe everything you think. (laughs) You just don't. No, no. And we think a lot of things that we probably would be better off not believing. So, (laughs) so true. So Molly, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So um, you can just go to mollyclaire.com. That name that I gave myself is (laughs) so easy to remember. So good. It is mollyclaire.com. And I specifically work with coaches who are building a coaching business. So that is my sole focus right now. I do have an advanced certification for coaches who are working with um, moms and families and advanced certification for motherhood and family life coaching specifically, where I still do the work from my book and more. Um, but you can find me there if you want help building your business. Um, if you just want to, you know, learn from the content there, that's where I am. And I'm yeah, what's your, what's your, What's your podcast called? The Masterful Coach Podcast. Awesome. So you can check out Molly's podcast. You can check her out online. You can grab a copy of her book. Of course, I'll have all these links in the show notes. And Molly, what a pleasure. What a pleasure you are to have as a colleague and as a friend. And thank you so much for popping on with the women in the middle. It's been a blast. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thanks so much, Susie. Okay, that's it for this episode. Wasn't that fun to hear? As you could see from Molly's interview, she's been through a lot and was also able to be clear about what her priorities were, having time with her family. This is consistent 
through the whole interview, and it was consistent for her through the whole time. She had incredible determination. She practiced the thought, I'm going to make this work no matter what. I'm going to make this work no matter what. Amazing, right? So that is really the question for you. What are you going to make work or create for yourself no matter what? Really pause and think about this. Because as you know, time, she's flying. Time is flying. And nobody can do this for you. You got to be clear. You got to know what is super important to you. So important that you might have regrets if you don't make it happen. And you got to be determined because if you don't have your own back on whatever it is, it is way less likely to happen. So give it some thought. And when you start to feel the hints, the whispers of what it is, don't push it away. Welcome the clarity in. That is you being authentically you. But you have to be listening and be ready to welcome it in and then brave enough to take the next step one thought at a time. You've got this. Okay, so as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. And mindfulness really is the key ingredient to regret-proofing your life. This is how you put you on your agenda. This is how you embrace becoming more responsible for your emotional well-being. And this is how you get that clarity again for what you actually want so you don't have regrets. Nobody wants regrets. This is how you become more intentional about the way you use your valuable time on this planet. So as you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. Like I always say, that path forward is to learn to think on purpose and take it one tiny but thoughtful step at a time. So ask yourself, are you ready to do this? Because if you are, I am all in to help you get there. And if you're an entrepreneur and are finding it challenging to be gearing up when so many people in your life are gearing down, this is also the place for you. Seriously, if you're ready to change your life and learn the skills to unstick yourself with some masterful coaching, a top-notch curriculum, an infusion of creativity, and a warm, fun, and awesome community of like-minded women, let's talk about it. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and create your own blueprint for happiness. You can absolutely be more fulfilled than ever before. Email me your questions and let's talk about it. Go ahead and book your momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 292. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on my new upcoming podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. 